Let's get back into today's message, and that is this idea of encouraging. So the big idea for today, the takeaway that I want you to get from today, if you don't hear anything else, is that all of us need encouragement in our walk of faith. All of us need encouragement. This whole idea of this series that we've been doing is this Better Together series. And I believe that with all of my heart and soul. I believe that we are better together. But we need encouragement. So I want you to think for just a minute about those encouragers in your life. Think about those people who have encouraged you, either when times were difficult or even when times were good. Think about those people that have encouraged you along the way. I know I've been very fortunate to have encouragers in my life. I've been very fortunate. And even within this church, we have some wonderful encouragers in this church. Miss Billy has always been a wonderful encourager to me. We've been through this time of transition where we haven't had, you know, the full-time pulpit minister. And, and I've kind of been uh, pushed into that role and I've stepped into that role and, and I've loved every minute of it. Don't get me wrong. But Miss Billy has always had an encouraging word for me after my sermons. Even when I walk away thinking, wow, that was terrible, probably the worst one I've ever given, she found, always finds something to say to encourage me. I'm very blessed to have a wife who is a great encourager. As most of you know, I'm back in school uh, trying to finish up my Christian ministry degree, and it's been really hard to be in school, to be working full-time, to have little ones in the house, to have a family to run. It's been really, really challenging, but my wife has been there every step of the way to encourage me to keep going. And see, that's important, not only in just our personal lives, but it's important when it comes to our walk of faith. Because just how sometimes I get tired and I get stressed and I get overwhelmed, we can get that way in our Christian walk as well. Sometimes we get to that point where, where maybe things just aren't going our way, or maybe God's not answering our prayers in the manner that we would like Him to, and we get frustrated and we get down, and our heart starts to harden. And see, that's why we need those encouragers in our lives. We have some great examples of encouragers in the Bible. We have Barnabas. And for those of you who don't know Barnabas' story, he was the one that poured into and encouraged Paul and helped to, to mold and shape Paul into what Paul ended up becoming. And we all know that he ended up becoming this amazing, amazing servant of the Lord. Paul himself was a great encourager. And I have to believe that part of that came from the encouragement that he received from Barnabas which reminds us that not only do we need to have people to be encouragers to us, but we need to be encouragers to one another as well. Because see, you can start that chain reaction where you're pouring into people and you're encouraging people, and then hopefully they're going to take that and encourage someone else. And of course, Jesus. Jesus is the number one example of an encourager. Throughout Scripture, he encouraged over and over and over again. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And if you want to open your Bibles up, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 13. And I'm going to start in verse 1. And we're going to jump around just a little bit in Hebrews chapter 13. But I want to start in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. See, this is that idea of togetherness again. And he starts out this chapter by telling us, brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. So he's reminding us right up front that, hey, you're not in this alone. You don't have to do this alone. 
I want you to do this together. So he starts out the chapter by reminding us of this idea of community, this idea of togetherness. We're going to skip down to verse 7, and that's where we're going to pick up with our our key text today. (laughs) Excuse me. So we're going to look at verse 7. It says, So, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. I love that word today. Because why does he say today? He's creating a sense of urgency. He's creating the idea of seizing the moment and why wait for tomorrow? For those of you who are procrastinators, been there, done that. He's saying, don't wait till tomorrow. Let's do this today. So he says, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, verse 8 goes on to say, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Now, this isn't a typo. I left it formatted like that for a reason. Because what I wanted to point out to you is that as you're reading your Bible, sometimes we get really hung up on chapter numbers and verse numbers and those cool little headings, you know, that kind of tell you what the next passage is going to be about. But I want to remind you that that's not how the Bible was written. And we don't want to get hung up on that kind of thing. So when you see something like this, see how it's not, it's not left indented, right? That means that they're referring back to something else. And in this case, he's referring us back to a story from the Old Testament. It says, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. So what are we talking about? We're talking about a heart issue, right? He's warning us against the hardening of your hearts. And see, that's where this encouragement factor comes in. Because see, we have to be encouraging one another. We have to be walking together with one another to prevent ourselves from having our hearts hardened, much like the Israelites did in the wilderness. So I'm going to share with you Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So again, at the end of the day, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. We've got to prevent our hearts from being hardened. So let's go ahead and jump back into our key text, Hebrews 13, uh, in verse 9. It says, When your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. So, so he's... he's He's calling us back, right? He's reminding us of when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And for those of you who may or may not remember that story, we remember, right, that the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years uh, prior to being given the promised land. And what did they do? They got discouraged. They started to complain. God was providing for their needs, but he wasn't doing it in the way they wanted him to. He wasn't doing it and giving them the things that they wanted. He was giving them what they needed. And they started to become discouraged. And it started to harden their hearts. If we go ahead and continue with verse 10, it says, This is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. We talk about this a lot, but I think it's so important as we look at the the story of the Israelites, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, what happened? They messed up over and over and over and over again. Now, thankfully, we serve a God that loves us enough that he's able to get past that and he's able to give us second chances. 
And thank goodness for that, right? Because we've all taken advantage of God's second chances at some point or another. But they went through this cycle where they'd be all about God and then they'd start to lose their faith and they'd start to disbelieve and their hearts would start to harden and they would make mistakes and then they would beg for forgiveness again. See, it's that cycle that we talk about. And that's what he's referring back to. He's reminding the reader of this cycle that the Israelites fell into. And you see that is brought up over and over again. And we're going to talk about why he does that here in just a moment. Verse 11 says, So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. Verse 12 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So you see in this first 12 verses of Hebrews chapter 13, he's telling us what the problem was. He's reminding us what the problems were and what the consequences were of those problems. So this first 12 verses is like, hey, remember what you did before? Let's not do that again. Because if you do, you're going to face said consequences that he just talked about. He's not reminding of the mistakes that were made to call people out or to make anyone feel bad. He's reminding us of those mistakes so that we don't make the same mistakes that the Israelites made. So he's kind of briefly recapping the story. Now, things change just a little bit when we get to verse 13. And this is, this is what Tyler read uh, so well for us a little bit earlier on. And this is, this is kind of the turning point. This is the key, right? 1 through 12 is, hey, these are those terrible things you did. Here are the consequences. Don't do it again. And verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily. It doesn't say encourage people once in a while. It doesn't say encourage people whenever you feel like it. It doesn't say encourage people when it's convenient. It says encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So there's that word again, right? Today. We've seen it twice now. Today. Now, I love that he says that because he says it's called today. So what does that mean for us? That means every single day because every single day is today. Right? You've all heard the saying, tomorrow never comes, right? It's never actually tomorrow. Because what happens is tomorrow it's now today. So he's reminding us with a little play on words here that as long as it's called today, you need to encourage one another. It says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So what hardens our hearts? What causes us to have a hardening of the heart? Sin. Sin causes us to have a hardening of the heart. And that's why verse 13 reminds us that we've got to encourage one another daily. Let's look at verse 14. It says, We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. So here's another little encouragement, right? Here's some encouraging words for us. That... If we share in Christ and we hold on to that conviction to the very end, then we're going to share in Christ for eternity. 
verse 15. He says, and just as it's been said, today, there it is again, today, and he's recapping where he started. It says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, anytime we see in the Bible something that's repeated, that means we should probably pay attention to it. And see, he kind of bookends this, right? He kind of starts in verse 7 and then says the exact same thing again in verse 15. I used to have a professor that said, if I say it more than once, you should probably remember it. It's probably going to be on the test. That's exactly what we see here. See, he's reminding us of the same thing again. That means we need to pay attention to it. And there we see that word today for the third time now. We see the word today. See, it's that carpe diem, right? It sees the day, sees the moment. Do it now before you allow your hearts to be hardened. It's a call to action. So what if? What if the Israelites had encouraged one another instead of isolating themselves? How could the Israelites' story had been different if they would have come together and said, no, no, guys, we're not going to get down on ourselves. Yeah, I know things aren't great, but that's okay. We're going to get through this, and we've got our eye on the prize, which is the promised land. What if they had done that? What if one or two people in that group had said, no, 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 we're not going to let it go down this way. We're going to be the encouragers, and we're going to get everybody else on board. Think of what the, how that, the story of the Israelites could have been different. Think about how that time in the wilderness could have been different if just a couple people had said, no, 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 no. See, we've got something better when this is over. And see, that's exactly where we are. Because brothers and sisters, we've got something better when this life is over, right? And thank goodness that we do, because see, we've got our eye on the prize, just like the Israelites should have, and that's the promised land, or in our case, heaven. But see, we've got to work together, and we've got to encourage one another, and we've got to build each other up, and we've got to lift each other up. And see, that's how we have the strength to keep going when times are difficult, when times are hard. See, we can't let our circumstances, right, cause us to lose our focus. And see, that's what happened with the Israelites. They let their circumstances and the things that were happening around them cause them to lose their focus. Now it seems like, right, for a lot of us, the last 18 or 19 months, or I don't know, I've lost track at this point, it almost feels like we've been wandering in the wilderness, right? Things just haven't been the way we wanted them to be, and, and thank goodness, thank God, things are, are finally starting to get back to normal. We've got a great number of people here in the building, we're not wearing masks, things finally are starting to feel back to normal, at least a little bit. But for a lot of us, this past year and a half or so has felt just like the Israelites. They were wandering in the wilderness. We felt like we were wandering without a sense of direction. We felt like we were wandering and not being able to have the things that we wanted or do the things that we wanted to do. The Israelites would be saying, hey, we can relate to that. But see, we can't let that cause us to lose our focus on the big picture. But it can be easy to do that. 
It can be really easy to lose focus and let our hearts get hardened because we can't have it our way, because we can't do the things that maybe we want to do. So we have to be careful of that. So this whole passage was talking about this idea of a hardened heart. So let's talk about what that looks like. A hardened heart is one that's closed off. A hardened heart says, I don't need anybody else. I'm good. I'm on my own, doing my own thing. I don't need your help. And that leads to isolation. When you're isolated and you don't have that encouragement and you don't have those people around you, it causes your heart to harden. It also gives you way too much time to think. And that's not always a good thing when we have way too much time to think. But that leads to discouragement. Think about it. Think about times in your life where maybe you felt isolation or you felt alone. It's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to let your heart harden. It's very easy to say, God, why have you forsaken me? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. And it can cause us to lose our faith. And we see that story play out in the Bible over and over again. But let's talk about what it means to be soft-hearted or tender-hearted. And sometimes people will look at that as a negative, right? Oh, that person's so tender-hearted that they just let people walk all over them. Oh, that, that person's a wimp. That person has no backbone. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having a soft, receptive heart. And why that's so important. And why, just in this one scripture, we're warned over and over again not to have a hardened heart. Because a soft heart is open. It's open to others. It's loving. See, when your heart has been hardened, you start to, you start to lose that love that you have for each other. A soft heart is one that wants to be in community. A soft heart says, look, I know, I know I need my church family. I know I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I want that, I need that, and you can have that if you don't allow your heart to be hardened. And last but certainly not least, when your heart is soft, is when you're leaning in. You're leaning in to what God is trying to tell you through the Bible. You're leaning in to your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're leaning in to your prayer life, and you're growing, and you're flourishing in your faith because you're open and you're receptive to that. So how do we do that? How do we be encouragers? Well, there's about a million ways to be encouragers, but I want to share just a few of them with you just in case somebody is saying, Love to be an encourager, not really sure where I start. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and call someone. I know some of you are going, what do you mean? What is this call stuff? We don't use our phones to call. Well, number two is text. Send somebody a text. Encourage someone. Hey, great job with this. Hey, great job with that. Hey, I love you and I'm praying for you. You don't always know what people are going through. So maybe you do know what somebody's going through. Reach out, or maybe you don't. Reach out. Encourage one another. And not just those same two or three people that you always encourage. Find ways to encourage others. Write a letter. There's something about a handwritten letter. 
And I know some of you younger kids are going, what the heck is a letter? It's where you take a piece of paper and you handwrite the note instead of typing it out with your thumbs. But a handwritten letter or a card can be very encouraging. Give people compliments, sincere compliments, because that can help to encourage people. Give them your time. We're all busy. It's Southern California. We're one of the busiest places on the planet, I feel like. So when you give somebody your time, when you give somebody your attention, that can be very, very encouraging. Because you took the time out of your day to reach out to them. You took the time out of your day to go meet them for coffee. You took the time out of your day to pick up the phone and give them a call. You may not have a lot to give. Maybe you don't have a lot to give. You can always give your time. Be an example. Be an example. If you're great at encouraging, be an example. Let people see you encouraging others. And let them see what happens when we encourage one another. Be patient. Be patient. I'm not always great at this one. For those of you who know me, you know I'm not great at this one all the time. I'm not always the most patient person in the world, but I try. But when you're patient with people, when you, when you sit down with them, when you take your time with them, it can go a long way. And the last one's a tough one, right? last one's hard, and that's to forgive. See, it can be very encouraging to folks when you forgive them even when they don't deserve it. When you forgive people, it's powerful and it's encouraging. Because guess what? Our Heavenly Father forgives us every day, and we don't deserve it. But He does it out of love. Love one another. Because love is an encourager. And don't be afraid to tell people that you love them. We we, we shy away from that word, love, right? Because we're afraid people will take it the wrong way. Right? Right? We do that. Well, I can't say I love him. I love somebody other than my wife because they're going to think I mean romantically. That's not what I'm talking about. We should love each other as a church family. And we should not be afraid to say that. We should not be afraid to say, brother or sister, I love you. Because that's encouraging to know that someone cares about you. That someone truly has your best interest in heart. That can be a very very encouraging thing. So, look for ways to be an encourager. Look for ways to build others up. Because we don't have to do this alone. Like almost everything else in life, if you try to do it on your own, it's going to be harder than if you do it with a group or with others. Look for those ways to be that encouraging light in someone's life. Because you never know when they need it. And I'm going to tell you right now, we all need it. We all need encouragement. This walk that we're all on together is not an easy one. So let's encourage one another to stay the course. Let's encourage one another to stay on the straight and narrow path. Because guess what? Together, we can do it. We can do it together. I believe that. Maybe this morning you're with us and you have never had that chance 
to be baptized for the remission of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Or maybe you have, much like the Israelites did, you've been discouraged, the opposite of encouragement. You've been discouraged in your walk and your heart is hardened. And you want to say today, Jesus, I don't want to live like this anymore. And I know through you, I don't have to. I want to invite you to come forward in just a moment as we get ready to stand together and sing. And we would love to talk with you. We would love to pray with you and help you in any way that we can. So I'm going to invite Brandon up, and he's going to lead us in a word of song.